Hey everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. In this episode, I speak to Kat Noon about how to design products that make a difference. Kat is the founder of Stark, a suite of integrated accessibility tools for your product design and development team, so you can build effective, impactful, and inclusive products right from Adobe XD, Figma, and Sketch. Kat is also an OG Product Hunt community member and one of the most requested guests to get on the show from the Twitterverse. This episode is packed with lessons learned from the startup game and actionable advice on how to grow as a leader and maker. Kat, thank you so much for making time to be on Product Hunt Radio today. When I first sent a tweet out into the Twitter universe asking for really cool folks in tech to bring on season three of our show, you got tagged multiple times. <laughs> so I'm really happy that, um, you know, as a Product Hunt community member and an avid maker, you made time for us. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So, um, you know, this episode is all about how to design products that make a difference. And I thought it might be fun just to kick off by getting you to tell us a bit about Stark, what you do and your background. I think for, for context, I'll tell you that uh, I'm, a, I'm a designer by trade that just happened to um, end up as a founder slash CEO, because, uh, you know, we created a product that actually was going somewhere. So yeah, designer by trade, though, and uh, very much so still product, 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 um, heavily into um, that world as it should be. But uh, what I am product, product, product about is uh, Stark. And Stark's been what I've been working on now for two years. And uh, for those of you that um, aren't aware, uh, Stark's a suite of tools uh, helping designers, engineers, and PMs build fully accessible and uh, in turn, legally compliant products. So you you mentioned how you sort of stumbled upon a great business. There are thousands of makers in the product on community that are trying to monetize something that they've built or are still trying to get their first customers for something that they've built. I would love if you could give us a bit more insight into how Stark tipped from a product you're building into a company you're running. Yeah. Um, well, so for us, it, it happened rather quickly because we realized that we were building something that filled this void that people in, in um, you know, software um, didn't have um, and didn't have, didn't have access to and didn't have a, a, you know, a solution for. And so once we realized that, it became a question of, um, you know, how do we take this solution that we had created to solve our problem initially? Um, how do we take this and and really deep dive into the world that it lives in? Like, what is this product? What is the big picture here? What is this this big problem? And you know, before we b- before we just like jumped right into something, you know, we like to understand um, you know everything from you know the the market to the people, the nuance, um, and so you know, we went heads down and, and, you know, tried to better understand it and, and started to live in that world. And, um, and, and I think it's a, it's a, you know, a two part world, those that are um, using Stark to solve the problem and those that are just drastically impacted by the change that they're, they're shipping out, you know, the team members are shipping out into the world. And so for us, um, you know, once we saw that, you know, Oh, 
shit, this is not just our problem. This is pretty grand. You know, we went ahead and, and, and explored that. And once we got to this place where, you know, we understood what we were working with that, you know, let's, here's how we actually get to where we want to be. Here's how we, how we actually make it to our big mission. Um, you know, for us as a, as a company, you know, to be a company and, um, and to impact those that, you know, like inherently are impacted. I love this. So, um, like many of the great makers that have been on this show, the origin story starts with a very personal challenge, problem, obstacle, or problem that you faced. I'd love to illustrate that story a bit more. Were you um, working with a client that pointed out how either like accessibility hadn't been like baked into the product that you designed? Was it actually interacting with someone on your team that noticed this? Like, how did that problem first present itself to you where you kind of thought, okay, we need to tackle this? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, so we were working on um, uh, another project of, of ours and um, the target group were newly retired citizens, so older adults, but we call them newly retired citizens, fresh into this new life. And, and, and I think, you know, at that age, at that point in your life, there are a lot of things that, that come to fruition. And one of them is, you know, you're reaching this age where you lose control in a lot of ways. And a big big part of that is health because there's so much jargon behind it. And so um, we were building Iris, um, which helped these older adults um, uh, better understand and track and take control of, of their health, their day-to-day health, um, while keeping their loved ones in the know. And so for us, you know, compliance was a big part of that conversation. Um, and more specifically, these accessibility features, because older adults, a lot of things happen as we get older. You know, our, our vision depreciates our hearing depreciates, you know, things just start to get really wonky. And the big goal of, um, of Iris was enabling them to, to better understand their health so that they can improve it. But there are just, you know, generally there are things that, that are, you know, kind of out of our control as we get older. Um, some things are just genetic. Others are just a byproduct of, of, a, of a very intelligent computer that's, um, that's, you know, reaching its time, unfortunately. And so, in in designing Iris, we um, you know we said okay you know there are a lot of accessibility features that need to be um, injected into the product so that this can be a great experience for any older adult that uses it. Um, more importantly, any adult, not just any older adult, but any um, any adult that would capitalize and would manipulate the product to fit their needs because that's what users do, right? Customers, you know, see a solution, they're like, oh, well, I can use this for, you know, ABC. And so, you know, an individual with diabetes or an individual just trying to, you know, track their menstrual cycle may you start, may you, sorry, may use Iris and, um, and think, you know, this is, this is beneficial to me. So we said, how do we inject these accessibility features um, and design them so well in a way that um, anyone from, you know, a permanent to a temporary to a situational um, disability can use it. And we got to the point where we were excited and, and it became, well, shit, there's no great solution for this. There's no easy way to do this. There's no way that is clear. There's no, there's no um, accessible community there's no beautifully designed software for this. There's no human readable education and guidelines. Um, it's daunting. It's not approachable. It's fragmented and isolated. They are inherently inaccessible. And so we said, it, it doesn't need to actually be this way. Like there's a, there's a solution to this. And so we built this, um, 
you know, janky version zero of, of Stark. And, um, and it gave us something to, to work with. And, you know, I think if I recall correctly, once we, once we shared, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but if you follow me, you realize that when I'm working on something or, or, you know, have an idea, um, I'm not really hesitant to, to hide that. Like I, I share it out there. I get feedback. Um, I pull the community and I, I think that that putting it out there just um, garners a much better result. So I, I don't remember when exactly it was, but I shared something, maybe like a UI screen of, of Stark, and people were like, "What?" Um, and, and you know, at that point, it was like, "Oh, oh, you you're interested in this. This is useful for you." And it, you know, it kind of snowballed from there. But I think for me, you know, like ultimately, I'm I'm not someone that's especially not at this point in my career. Uh, I think I'm in like year. I don't know, year 13 of doing this. I don't know even know how old I am. Um, but year 13 of, of, of designing and being in the world of technology. And for me, I'm at a point where um, I want to work on products that actually move us forward. And, you know, if there's not a business case there, then, you know, it, it, it really won't move, move forward. But for me, there needs to be uh, something that connects us and moves us forward. And, and I think that's a byproduct of just my upbringing and, and, what really drives me i've i've you know without without getting into i i, I think just the, the overall picture and, and my life you know I, I was raised by my grandparents my my parents um would go on to do their own things and and you know have new families and 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 i i think you know in that journey you know i'd go through a lot personally where i'd realize that there are there are people often forgotten or put to the side and I, I wouldn't realize it until adulthood, but that was something that was deeply ingrained in me. And so, you know, after, you know, I dropped out of college, I'd go on to work for the New York City Board of Ed for special, uh, in special ed with uh, children with autism, autistic children, um, and children with a variety of physical and cognitive and, and, and emotional and mental disabilities and disorders, and I wouldn't realize it then either, but this would all put me on this journey to understanding what disability looks like and what it doesn't look like. And I say that because invisible disabilities are a very real and very prominent thing. And and so, you know, I, I, I think all of that would get me to the point where I'm like, you know, I've, I've seen this before. I've experienced this secondhand. And, you know, at one point in my adulthood, I, did, I realized that, oh, actually, for a long time, I've been experiencing an invisible disorder for a long time. Um, and, and I just didn't, I didn't have a name for it. And so it, it just becomes, okay, this is, this is something real. I've lived this, I've watched it. There is no solution. And there's given, given what we can do with design and with technology, there is no damn reason why there shouldn't be a beautiful um, and advanced solution for this. I love that you put it so eloquently. And I think it's beautiful to hear the deeply personal connection to this, because I mean, on the one hand, it makes sense that every person, regardless of their background or their situation, should be able to interact with the product that you are building. But the unfortunate reality is that many tech products are really only optimized for the most privileged groups or the ones with the most access to stuff or, you know, the non-disabled. And, you know, the point that you made, I think, is a really, really important one. There are so many people living with disabilities which are not visible and many of them are prevented from 
interacting with, you know, a, a lot of the products that we take for granted. I mean, even the most common websites. So um, I, I really hope that folks who are listening to this are maybe going to be thinking a bit more inclusively about the way they're designing things. And in particular, like you said, like who could potentially be left out or neglected um, because because they're just not on your radar. Am I, uh, am I making sense? Does that sound about right? It makes 100% sense. I think what happens is there, you know, I, I think teams realize, um, and, and Stark is very much so focused on enterprise for this reason. Um, a, a lot of people don't, you know, within organizations, and that's people on design, engineering, PM, stakeholders, but you find within the, 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 the disciplines like designers, engineers, and, and, um, and PMs that they understand, they understand this. It's just in that, um, that, you know, the stakeholders to understand, which is, you know, always the the case. But what's, you know, generally not being understood is the very real and prominent risk that comes with not, with not focusing on creating and shipping out a product that is compliant. And, you know, what we say is that ethics change team culture, exposure changes executive mind, and profit loss changes action. And so what our focus is, is, you know, I think we can have a conversation about ethics. And I think on the, on the content side for us, you'll start to see that um, a lot of the conversation and the, the guidelines that we put out in the tutorials are, are meant to be deeply researched and extremely human readable so that there isn't this daunting feeling around compliance, right, which currently exists. And so nobody approaches anything if it's not approachable it doesn't it doesn't matter what context it's in so but but the ethics conversation will help with your team culture for us on the business side our focus is on what is that risk and the risk the way we see it is on the pr side you know the legal side how do we how do we make sure that you're not in headline news how do we make sure that you're not um you're not ending up in a lawsuit and in turn with that you risk customer and revenue loss. So how do we how do we accelerate that time to compliance for you? Um, you know, on the actual very real business side, and I think nobody wants to talk about it. But if you look about look at look back to the whole Volkswagen debacle, that engineer went to jail, not the stakeholder. It's all of our asses as employees on the line. You know, not not just the designer, not just the engineer, not not the CEO. The CEO of the company is not going anywhere. But you as an engineer. You as a designer, yeah, you are. Um, and so for us, you know, where we are creating this this product that that on the one hand, you know, from this content perspective, um, ensures that you're educated and becomes this gold standard for everything surrounding accessibility and inclusivity and compliance, but gives you a solution that you can actually work with that enables you to see risk and in turn ROI. Um, and has something where you can deliver, um, you know, and measure um, to stakeholders and, and, and in turn, um, you know, iterate on and create a, a significantly better product. And, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize I mentioned earlier, too, is that with that permanent temporary situational disability, and we see this from, you know, Microsoft's um, inclusive design focuses heavily on this, you know, as the creators you know, we can go from, you know, we can sit here and say, well, I'm not really appealing or I don't have to worry. My product doesn't have to worry about it because, you know, the individual with only one arm, there's only like 20,000 people on our product using it that have only one arm. But what you don't realize is that there are several more individuals 
that have a broken arm. There are millions of people that are new parents for the first time and only have access to one arm. And so your 20,000 just skyrocketed to 2 million. And now in terms of ROI, I don't know about you, but if your numbers are right, that's a really freaking big jump if you do it right in terms of profit and a drastic loss if you don't appeal to that. Especially as, as you know, as we, we, we are now in this very social media driven age, the, the financial burden and risk is drastically higher. Um, and regulations in general on the legal side are becoming more strict globally, which further aids in that financial risk and burden on software companies. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you're you're so right. Like bringing it back to what's at stake if products aren't designed um with, you know, in a compliant way, I think is is incredible and like gosh, yeah. I mean, I kind of forgot about that Volkswagen case, but of course, like the whole diesel cheating scandal, this guy got sentenced to prison. These are real issues with real consequences and you know, I'm grateful for that reminder. And I also think it's also really helpful that idea of the fact that within large organizations it's profit loss that drives change all makers need to think about you know if you know the problem that they're solving in the context of the revenue streams for their potential clients and the quicker you can get to the point of connecting the dots for them the quicker you're closing a new client so i thought that was a really really helpful reminder but the other thing i really liked was the reminder that accessibility is not a constant. Like if you think of your entire customer base, the number of people that will be most in need of additional features or additional support will of course change as personal circumstances change. You gave an incredible example of a parent, you know, balancing all the different tasks, including holding kiddo and doing stuff. But, you know, there are so many other countless life circumstances. I think we can all take a moment to reflect on ourselves or our friends, our family, other loved ones, and think of all of the various health challenges they've experienced over the last 12 months. And, you know, those are customers. Those are users of products. So I thought that was a really valuable uh, reminder of that too. I thought it might be quite fun to ask you again, like in the context of Stark, what are the things that keep you up at night? Um, well, to be fair, I know you're a parent, so it's probably your kids that keep you up at night. But um, what are the things that you are thinking about when you look at, you know, the rest of 2020, maybe even planning into 2021? Are you thinking about managing a scaling team? Are you thinking about what other integrations you want to work on? Are you thinking about your product roadmap? I think it would be really wonderful for other makers listening to think about what those bugbears are that, you know, really get you. So to touch on, yes, I, I, I am a parent and uh, I have a four-year-old who has, um, you know, fingers crossed, always slept great since she's about, uh, you know, a few months old. Um, and I think the things right now, and, and as we, we go into 2020 that I'm thinking about are actually, you know, what you said, um, you know, we have these key focuses and one is, um, you know, scaling a team. Um, we are growing, and um, and and you know, I, I think this is not my first time as a CEO, um, but it is my first time as a CEO of a company that's actually going somewhere and going somewhere quite fast. And um, you know, I like to say we don't really, we don't, we don't necessarily just move fast. We move fast and we move efficiently. And so I'm trying to figure out how to do this in a way that's not half-assed. Um, I don't like half-assing anything. Um, I want to make sure that what I sign my name on is 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 well done. 
And so that's big for me, um, you know, understanding what it takes to, to maintain team culture, because I think we've done a, a great job at that. Um, but obviously, as, as your numbers jump from being a team of five to a team of 10, that immediately changes. Um, and so that's that's something I'm thinking about. Um, you know, another focus for us is, yes, integrations. We're taking the plugins from from being this, um, you know, individual, you know, single disability to expanding out on the disabilities that we um, that we provide, you know, a service for 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 um, for teams to to design and build for. Um, and so, um, what does that look like? You know, how do we create this continual workflow to to handhold you? Because we we very much so look at compliance as um, in a, in a similar way to driving a you know a self driving car. Um, humans are, despite what we may believe um, or want to believe, humans are the reason for most of this error. And so how do we hold your hand while driving this car for you and keep you informed as we make the changes that we do um, and um, as, as we inform you of what needs to be done if we can't handle something? Like, here's what you need to do and here's why you're doing it. Um, and and, and that's, that's the one consistent thing that we want, you know, throughout the product to always be there is just this really smooth workflow integrating with the tools that, you know, teams are already using and, and, you know, making that compatible with this workflow that you already know and love. And, and that, you know, in terms of like integrations, um, you know, on the, you know, design and, and, and engineering and PM side and, you know, goes out to a, a variety of places. And so um, expanding what that's like. And, um, you know, the other focus for us is also um, on the content marketing side. Um, you know, that for us is a, is a big play for us in this like bottoms up approach is, you know, education and, and content and community growth. Um, and, you know, for us, we, we've had a phenomenal community from the beginning. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that I think we did right um, was create this world where people can approach and come to um, for these questions. And, you know, that's something that we're continuing to build but in this this effort to be this gold standard solution for for the world of accessibility and and, and inclusivity and intern compliance, um, you know that's a that's a huge component for us. And the 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 other you know main focus is I won't say too much on it, but um, we're working on a, a big project that enables uh, all of the disciplines to uh, to come together. So removing those silos and giving you a place where everything regarding uh, your compliance workflow can live. Amazing. On that last piece, I know you don't want to talk too much about it, but this idea of like, you know, all teams collaborating and, you know, ensuring they're equally accessible. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, wait, that doesn't exist already? How does that not already exist as a tool? Um, so yeah, definitely really excited to hear about that. I loved how honest you were reflecting on the value of the bottom-up approach that you've made. Of course, at Product Hunt, we're going to be biased to anyone that's focused on community and building community because we're a community. But I still feel that even though that word is banded around so much these days, often even like misused or conflated with other things, you know, ultimately this idea of bringing like-minded people together, you know, still has value and still makes ton of sense. And I just think it's great to hear about how you have had that as a part of Stark from the beginning and want to keep investing in it. Has any part of maintaining that community been a challenge for you? Because I know some folks do struggle with that. You also touched on the value of content marketing. You know, either of those pieces, have they ever been tough for you to maintain or hard for you to prioritize amongst all the other things that you do? 
prioritize? No, it's been a main priority because we know that that's, um, you know, that's completely powering the rocket. Without that community, without, you know, designers and engineers and PMs from all over the world that are, you know, buying into this, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist. And I'm, I'm a huge um, proponent of um, investing in customers. And so, you know, I think a lot of people think like, oh, that's, you know, what's the cost of acquisition? I don't know. Like, how do we actually build a community that gives back um, and, and in turn further fuels our mission to be this gold standard? You know, we can't do that if we don't give people an, content and education and um, context that is um, digestible. Um, and approachable. So for us from the very beginning, um, that was the case. And so, you know, we started off with like a newsletter and just, you know, blog posts. And now we're moving into like, what does it look like to do webinars? And what does it look like to do tutorials? And we separate our content into like these few buckets. And, you know, each bucket has its own um, intent, you know, like this bucket is, is meant to convert this bucket is, is meant, um, you know, to convert in this way. And, uh, this is for people that have already intent when they come, um, you know, to convert to a customer and this is for case studies and this is, you know, partnerships. And so, you know, we're, we're figuring out all these different ways to, to approach content, but from the very beginning, you know, our newsletter was a big one. Um, we knew that we could not be this, like, content generating engine from the start because we simply don't have the resources at the time. And so for us, it was like, how do we, how do we start this like education of our customers without doing it on our own? So, you know, we, you know, curated really high quality content to be the, the accessibility and inclusivity newsletter that exists. And, um, and, 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 you know, would find content around the internet that fueled um, your team and it helps you, um, you know, be better at creating products that are accessible and in turn world class. Um, how do you create this and establish this benchmark of world class design? Um, and so, you know, it, it, it spans a variety of topics that are in there. Um, and, you know, now what we started doing was, you know, actually giving like opinions and thoughts on those pieces in the newsletter, um, like really writing out what that approach, that mission was and, and sharing like expanded thoughts on on the the piece, and then bringing it to our blog, um, and and it just you know again like in that case you're furthering the original author's mission too, and so one hand washes the other, two hands wash the face. Um, that's our our thing across the board, and so and now we're we're reaching this point now where you know the newsletter will will eventually you know include majority of our content that we're creating um, to further educate you and help you along with pulling articles from the internet that we think are, are extremely beneficial and that, you know, that, that can further your mission, you know, as a, as a, you know, a software person. If you're working on a startup or even just thinking about it, check out the new audio course, launch a startup only on knowable. You'll hear founders like Reddit's Alexis Ohanian and Everlane's Michael Praisman, plus a whole team of business experts teach lessons on business planning, product development, fundraising, and everything else you need to know to get your startup going. The best part? You'll get $1,000 in AWS credits just for enrolling. Pretty sweet deal. Start listening today on the Knowable app or at knowable.fyi. That's knowable.fyi. Product Hunt Radio listeners get 20% off with the code LAUNCH at checkout.
The question for any business owner out there is, are you confident that you've got the right numbers at your fingertips? Serious entrepreneurs and finance teams run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite offers a full picture of all your finances, all in one place, in real time, right from your phone or your desktop. No more guessing, no more worry that what you don't know could kill your company. That's why NetSuite customers grow three times faster than the S&P 500, and you can too. Schedule your free demo right now and receive their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash product hunt. Set up your free demo and get your free guide today at netsuite.com slash product hunt. That's netsuite.com slash product hunt. I love that. I think it's incredible to hear, and there's a really big learning there, um, how in touch you are with your core users and how deeply you understand the challenges they're facing in their workplace, even though you're working already like, you know, across a bunch of different products and like types of people to understand that they always want to know more about this subject so that you can be a definitive source of, you know, compliance information and accessibility information. And really what you're doing is adding so much value beyond the product by empathizing with their needs and their curiosity. Have I got that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we knew that from the beginning, we couldn't provide all that content. So it's like, well, it's there. Um, and it may not be content that we necessarily agree is, um, you know, the, the, the most succinct or, or, or um, the most beautiful um, or informative, but it's what's out there. And, and so we wanted to give you something to just say like, here, here's this one central place where you can access all this content and it's in your inbox and you can always um, reference back to it. But now, now that we've, we've, we've pooled all of the content out there and, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've researched and surveyed you as individuals and we've had, con- we've had conversations with thousands of people you know, to the point where now we, we understand what it is you need in terms of content, where you need to be educated, what is the obvious things that, that are out there that we don't really need to pay attention to. Um, and in turn, where does Stark come into play? How, like, where, how, are, how can you and how are you using Stark to further that mission for you? And uh, yeah, I mean, for us, the, the, the traditional sales do not work for a product like this. Trying to use traditional sales to sell product to product people is a wrong approach and a waste of time for the most part. Um, product people call bullshit on it. So for us, it's like, well, again, one hand washes the other, two hands wash the face. If we're creating cr- content that feeds our, our, our you, know, you know, gold standard and our mission, and at the same time feeds our mission to help you, then why wouldn't we do that? Why would we, why would we waste our time on a traditional sales route? I love that. I love that. And a really important reminder that sometimes traditional sales just does not work for your product and will not connect with your audience. I I do see a lot of conversations happening in our community and the makers community where folks are taking best practice from a business they really admire or a maker they really look up to, but who's ultimately serving a different need and speaking to a different type of person. Um, so yeah, I just love that idea of like, you know, being real, like being real about the way the people you're talking to make decisions and speaking to them in a language that resonates with that. I really, I really love that. Thanks so much for sharing. 
it's been incredible to understand how you're running your company and how you're making those big decisions. I think all of us have something to gain from understanding how you're approaching all the different strategies, especially in relation to connecting with your community and growing in the future. But I wanted to switch gears a bit and find out a bit more about just Kat, the maker, the person. In particular, the way that you stay productive and the way that you get things done. Now, I know we're all individuals. We all have different priorities, different ways of working, but there's so much value to be gained from just understanding you know, either the reflections that folks have made on this journey of entrepreneurship or this journey of being a maker, you know, any insight that you can share, you know, where you are with the company right now and given all the things that you're working on and, you know, balancing personal life responsibilities as well, either like tactics, tools, or strategies that just keep you sane and keep you moving forward, any that you'd like to share with the listeners. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I kind of alluded to to it at the at the beginning of the conversation, where I said, you know, I didn't realize because I didn't have a name for it. This this very invisible um, issue that that kept popping up in my life, and um, it was very real and prominent anxiety. Um, and it just would it would eventually between work and personal life, it would eventually take over my life. It consumed me, and so you know, I got to a point where, you know, speaking to a therapist, speaking to an executive coach you know, just being like, what the hell is happening? And how the hell can I fix it? Because I cannot do this. It bled into every facet of my life. And, and so, you know, as, as, as silly as it may seem, but you know, that, that the answer was more efficient time design. And it just became this moment where I was like, yeah, why, why wouldn't I design my time? Like, why wouldn't that be something I designed? Like it can be. And, you know, I was, I was, I was someone that spent a lot of time, you know, working for a long period of time. And, you know, I think it's hard for me to sit here and be like, no, you you can't do that. Like, you should not work these long hours Um, because, you know, that's how I I got to where I am now. If I could go back in time, for me, I would – I'd probably still work those long hours, Um, but I'd take care of myself. And that's what's often that, that that's what often happens is that you work these ridiculous hours, and that's me working for myself, learning, not working for another employer. Look, don't do not kill yourself over someone that will not pay for your funeral. Just don't. But for me, in my journey, I was I was busting my ass and putting those hours in, but I, I was not taking care of myself. Fast forward, you know, I got to a point, especially after having Emma, where. I learned how to make do with the very little time that I had. So there would be some days where, you know, as, as, as these, you know, as, as kids, you know, grow, they go through these different cycles too, in terms of like how much, you know, where they sleep and when they sleep and, and what they, you know, what they require as as these growing human beings. And, you know, they're less than a thousand days old. There are things that they need. Um, And the most prominent um, thing that they need is you as a parent. So, you know, it became, well, how do I show up for work? Because I, I'm, I'm, my time is showing up as a parent, you know, and how do we juggle these things? And so I learned how to make do with, um, you know, some days I had two hours, some days I had four hours, you know, then when she went back to school, uh, you know, in last year, um, you know, every day for the entire day, well, you know, the, the, the school day, you know, suddenly I had 
like from 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 eight thirty until three o'clock, and you're just like, holy shit, what do I do with all this time now? You know, and so you got to like revisit that time design. But um, you know, if you ask anyone who knows me very well, they say my entire day is planned out. My day from when Emma is dropped off until um, when we have to go pick her back up is has blocks of time, and you know, there are certain days that I have most calls. And, you know, there are times where you need to adjust that if you're, you know, fundraising, you know, there are calls that you're taking at, at all times. And that was one thing that I had to learn was just like, look, you know, rules kind of don't apply here. You got to learn how to make do with, with these ridiculous, you know, um, times for calls and getting work into these chunks, but trying to figure out a, a, an efficient way to do it. But all of that to say, you know, I start my day after driving, uh, after dropping um, her off with reading. So I read for 30 minutes and. In the morning, I'm reading an educational slash work-related book, and and I'm doing that because on the drive back, I found for a long time that my brain was in work mode, and I was thinking about all the tasks that I needed to get done for the day. And so what reading did was it forced my brain to refocus on something that wasn't work and learn how to just calm it down. And then approach work, not in a frenzy, but in this very calmed state. And from there, after that reading, I'd go into this to-do list, which I have, and I have like an immediate to-do list. So like these three things that I need to get done today, no matter what. And then the, the, like the extra fluff, the stuff that just is always going to be there, no matter what, no matter the day, no matter what you accomplish, like it'll be there. And so like, I'll, you know, if I finish those three tasks, I'll go ahead and I'll continue to the, to the rest of the list and I'll tackle, you know, anything else. And as much as I can in that one particular day while still maintaining a life while still having lunch and still, you know, drinking water and having coffee. And, um, you know, you know, some days of the week I'm in the gym or I'm at home working out. Um, so my mental health is just always top of mind, always priority and everything from my personal life to my professional life benefits drastically from that. Um, I found that I show up to work, that I show up for my team as a better leader, um, as a, as you know, as a better partner, um, as a better parent by prioritizing me. Um, and so now it's just like, you'll find, you know, that's, it's reading, it's work, uh, days I'm taking calls and within certain chunks of time. And I'm just, you know, the systems are designed to have a framework to follow. And we see this in design systems and we see this in time design systems. It's all the same. There's a framework to follow. And when you have that framework in place, it makes it much easier for you to notch something outside of it for these like one to two, you know, these couple of instances where, you know, things live outside of that and that's okay. But when there's no system in place, everything falls apart. The same applies to, to your personal life. So, I mean, for me that it, it changed everything for me. If, if you don't have that in place, I highly recommend spending time looking at your calendar, looking at your time design and being very bullish about what you prioritize and when. I think you're the first person that I've heard use the phrase time design. And I have to say, I love it. I think it's incredible. Um, I think the reason why I like it is just hearing your application of it in your life is that it feels like it's very closely linked to self-awareness and understanding where 
you know, you, you might end up being less productive than you could be, less motivated than you could be, less yourself than you could be when you are not giving enough time to the things that keep you healthy, the things that keep you in optimal performance. And the reason why I, I really like this idea of kind of like zooming out and calling it time design is that it means that everyone has to decide what that looks like for them. And in your case, which I have heard many people use, I think Ryan's probably quite good at this too. Every minute of the day is accounted for, blocked out for all the things that need to happen. I think that's incredible. For some folks like me, I've been that person that's like, I'm going to make a calendar event for everything and then snooze it because I really get into like flow states of stuff. And once I'm there, I don't want to stop writing or stop, you know, doing stuff because I have to capitalize on that moment. Um, so what, what works for me is instead kind of going, since I know that I work in blocks of time, what are the most important things to achieve in this block of time? And I'll literally write it on a post-it, stick it on my computer, and I can't do anything but the things that are on that post-it note. So I guess I've been doing time design without realizing it. It requires a lot of discipline. And, you know, the whole self-awareness bit, yes, absolutely. It took me a lot of dark years to get here. And so, you know, if you have that ability to, uh, you know, to be self-aware and to make these changes in your life and, and to do exactly what you did where you said, well, you know, I notice I'm not getting this done or I, I, I work better this way. Let me try and switch that time, you know, that time design around so that I can, I capitalize most, like I know me. And, and, you know, discipline is, is key. You know, like if you know that, um, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to finish that thousand meter, um, race. Like you just you keep pushing, um, but you keep pushing under the pretense that you know how to run that race. You know, because if you don't, if you don't know you, if you don't know what you're capable of, you're going to tear your legs apart. Your breathing's going to be labored, labored. You're not going to finish the way you need to. So I think spending time with you, understanding you, you know, being in your own head and, and, and just trying to be like, like self, what the hell do you need in order to be your best you? I, I like, for me, that was a big one. Thank you so much for sharing that. So my favorite part of the show has finally come up and this is where I get to ask our guests for product recommendations. So this could be either the apps that never leave your home screen because you check them so often. It could be something cool and helpful you've just downloaded to your MacBook. It might even be something physical, something you've just got at home that is incredible. Um, but yeah, you know, we love products here at Product Hunt. Uh, so this is your chance to uh, tell us about a product you love. So, you know, I think with me, I'm, I'm the cohort of people that um, you'll find is not in very into trying out all of the latest fancy stuff. Um, I'm, I'm someone that's very traditional. Like I use for notes, I use notes app on my phone. <laughs> um, I use for a lot of, a lot of conversations like, you know, mail and, but, but not really at the same time I'm using like for even business conversation, I'm using I, iMessage or, or, you know, sometimes WhatsApp, but, and so for me, like the, the ones that I'm using on a regular basis are Twitter Instagram, iMessage, Notes, Slack, you know, uh, Airtable I use for um, for a lot of our, our databases, um, you know, the music app and, and, and Amazon, you know, and so like, those are, those are my day to day. I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm not using these like, fancy apps and, and, and trying all the things. I think for some people, it's great. But I think the, I'm someone that's, that takes the bare bones. And I, I, I just mentally, 
truncate what needs to be done into these like very like basic skeleton bare bones solution scale it as need be you know like so i'll take things i'll like write blog posts in notes app and then bring it into like google docs when it needs to be edited i switched from um from using like strictly safari to like using DuckDuckGo, and for me that was like oh shit i haven't used like a non-native product in a while like this is weird but uh but now i realize that you can do uh you can have like actual search set as DuckDuckGo, so i could still live in safari so i'm very happy about that yeah, I need to check that out. I think the only time I've been on DuckDuckGo was to like experiment with the dark web. I won't, I won't go further. I won't go any further. But um, that, that's good to know. On the non-software side, like just in general, product, product in general that I just always turn to and depend on is books. Nobody really thinks about them as a product, but they are um, books. And, and our record player that's here in the house. I love listening to traditional like vinyl records. I think they're a lost art. I heard that record sales have been on the rise over the last few years. So more and more folks are returning to vinyl, which is really cool. And I don't know if this is like a ridiculously hipster delusion, but I feel like they do sound different. Like listening to music on a record is different. 100%. It's a, it's a much more warm sound and it's a, it's, it's warm. It's natural. You don't have like, anything that's like, like synthesized, you know, you just, you know, had the artist that stood up there and got in the booth and it's pure voice. And, um, and I think that there's just something beautiful in that, especially when you, when you go back to like the greats, like Aretha um, and, 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 and even, even like something, something much more modern, but still has that very traditional sound is like Leon Bridges. Um, he's, you know, he's got this very old sound to him. And, and so on vinyl records, you have, you, you you just you you you're taken back to this place and you're just like what a what a beautiful voice and you listen to it then on in like your your headphones and you're just like what the hell is that so true i love that oh gosh cat i feel like i could have you on the show forever but i need to let you go back to running your company and managing your team and household so for folks who are listening and are like oh my gosh i need to get stark for my team i need to follow everything that cat does because i'm obsessed with her now where should they go so if you are interested in hearing more about Stark, uh, you can go to uh, G-E-T-S-T-A-R-K dot co. So getstark.co um, and you can check out what's there or you can uh, actually have a conversation with me, which I think is just significantly better because I get to, to find out more about you and your company and your product. Don't hesitate to reach out at um, you know my email, cat at getstark.co or on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at um, I'm Kat Noon. Uh, noon with an e at the end that's really where you'll find me most uh but but yes if you're interested in hearing more about stark or you want to talk shop on all things accessibility and inclusivity and ask questions and let me learn from you um please 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 reach out i would love to that's amazing also um i'm just gonna make a confession whenever i read your name i pretend you're a superhero called cat no one <laughs> you're, not, you're not the only one uh, i don't know about the superhero but i've never heard that so that's good to know but um but i always um whenever i um someone says that, i'm like just the way to remember is that no one is two different words um and so and so for me yeah it's the it's a night it's an irish last name i don't know what to do but it's just there amazing all right kat thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me i really appreciate it Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Product Hunt Radio. I've got a favor to ask you. 
Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now? Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.